Would you give Noel Kenny a big Faith Chapel welcome this morning? You do that. Hello, good morning. It is great to be here. You know, um, it's just been the m most amazing couple of weeks um, for myself and Sharon, and um, even that week that we didn't know that we, we didn't put in our calendar that really existed, that's how we stayed here longer. And, uh, but we've had just a great time with Brad and Beth and the family and people that we've met here that have become family to us. So you're all welcome to join the Kennedy family. <laughs> and um, if you're ever in Ireland, please see Brad and, uh, and look us up and uh, we'll show you our city and the uh, city that we're really um, passionate about that God has put in our hearts to reach. And um, I've been up in an airplane I've been at Pappy's to eat barbecue. I mean, I could write a blog like for the next six months just with all the stuff. And, and we laughed hard and good. And, uh, and I, I just, you know, you know those belly laughs? Well, I'm telling you, you hang around with these guys, you get three of them a day. It's like good medicine. It's like being to a good doctor. And uh, real belly laughs. And, uh, and we're just delighted. And um, I'm just so privileged to be able to speak here this morning. And Father, we just ask that you would take your word and thank you for what you're doing in this place. I must confess this before you, Lord. I've not been in a church anywhere else in the world that has the testimonies of Jesus that this church has. Nearly every second person I met has told me a miracle. From tumors when you were babies, to people being healed in front of my eyes, with the youth the young people praying for them. And we pray, Father, increase, multiply, Lord God. Father, we just thank you that you do not have to be a mega church to have a mega impact. And we just thank you for a church that has a mega impact way beyond our numbers, oh God. Because they're loving you, Lord. And we ask for increase in Jesus' name, oh God. We agree, Lord, with what we heard on Thursday night, Lord. That, Lord, uh, from this place here, Lord, hundreds, even thousands will be sent out into the world, oh God. Equipped, enabled, Lord, anointed, Lord, to do the work of the kingdom. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, um, do you ever, do you ever um, meet people, or you might be one of those people, or... Um, you might know one of those people, or I was, or could be one of these people at any given time in, in my walk with God. I'm walking with God 27 years. <clears throat> and um, do you ever meet people that are just freaked out about the purpose of God, uh, like for their lives, or the will of God, or the vision of God? And, and it gets us just all freaked, you know, so freaked that we can't even really hear what God is saying to us. Have you ever been there? It's like you, 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 you drowned out God with your thoughts and with your, with your negativity or with your anxiety. And, and it's like, why can't I hear God? But you have all these other things screaming at you. And I'm, and I'm going to give you a key, which I believe is a key, to, to be able to, to walk in your purpose, to be able to step into moments of destiny that God has for every one of us. And before you know it, you're walking in God's vision for your life. Does that sound good? Yeah. That sounds a whole lot, to be honest. But um, here's, here's what Jesus said anyway. So if Jesus said it, we'll, um, we'll, we'll take it. This is what's called the, the all command. 
three times. It's a threefold all. And we can read it. Many of us know it. This is what it says in Mark 12, 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, to love your neighbors as yourself. There is no greater command than this. The all command, to love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, the wholehearted commitment that God calls us to, to love him. And where did Jesus get this? He gets this out of Deuteronomy. He quotes from the Old Testament. It's one of those um, scriptures that, that is, is, is asked of us in the Old and the New Testament. It's asked of us in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And this is where Jesus gets this. This is our purpose. Jesus says, if you want to know why you exist, you want to know what the most important of all is, is to love God. It's to love Him with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, everything that is within you. And this is where He gets it from. These are the commands. This is uh, Deuteronomy 6. These are the commands, decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. This is Moses. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, your God, the Lord of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Talk about them when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful to do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the land of slavery. Wow. God makes this so important. He's saying, he's stating this in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. Jesus reignites it in the New Testament. And he says, listen, this is how important this is. Look at it. Write it on your hands. Write it on your doorpost. Tell your children when you lie down, when you get up, when you're walking along the road. Tell your children this. Why? Because if you're operating out of your purpose of loving God, all may go well with you. It doesn't mean there's not giants in the land, but all may go well with you. Write it on your doorpost. Write it on the back of your beds. Write it on your gates. Write it on your hands. 
so that you will flow into the purposes, into the destiny and the vision that God has for you. Cities you did not build, vineyards you did not plant. I believe with all my heart that we're called for this purpose, to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. And he says, when you enjoy all of this, listen to what he said in Deuteronomy, when you enjoy the cities, when you enjoy the vineyards, when you enjoy the blessing, he comes back again, now be careful to do not forget. Because sometimes God blesses us and we forget the blesser. We, for, we enjoy all the gifts and we forget the one who gave us the gifts. And he knows that this is, we're so prone to this. That's why after saying all of that, he says, now at the end, do not forget. Do not forget. Jesus showed us in Luke 4. Jesus' purpose wasn't miracles per se. It wasn't walking on water per se. But it was to show us how to have a relationship with God. It was show us how to love Father. It was show us how it was shown us how to be one. It was shown us how to give up anything and everything to walk in the plans of God. At daybreak, Luke says, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him. They tried to keep him from leaving. When they came looking for the miracles, when they came looking for the walking on waters, when they came looking for words of wisdom. Where did they find him? Loving God. Loving his Father. And let's get this straight. We can only love God because we understand, grasp the depth and the width and the length and the breadth of the love of God that's in Jesus. If we love God outside of him loving us, we form some type of religious activities. When we became believers, there was, like in Ireland right now, there's a quarter of 1% that know Jesus the way we do. The rest of us are either gone secular or we have religion. And when we became believers, there was 14 people in my family, 10 boys and 4 girls and a mom and dad. Now that's, that's a nice little family, isn't it? And my mom's best friend, Miss Rogers, had, um, Miss O'Brien had 13 children. And Miss Rogers, our other best friend, had 17 children. So if we walked into this place with all of us, like this would be revival, just hit this place. There'd be new kids, there'd be new youth workers, have to be God and all that stuff. And, and, um, so, but we, we didn't know God. We had a former religion, that, that was it. It was empty and dry and had no impact whatsoever. And if I had, it was only religiosity that bound us. And um, so when we heard the gospel, we were 22, myself and Sharon, we had seen people, all their peers are dead. People we grew up with because of heroin addiction and HIV AIDS are dead. And in the midst of all this dying, death, destruction and doom, someone tells us about Jesus. My friend, Michael Finley. Not Michael Finnegan, Michael Finley. And, and Mick came and he had just come into a, a, an encounter with Jesus. And when you have an encounter with the love of God, that's what you carry. That's what you can't, you, when what you, you can't give away what you haven't got. And you know what? We didn't get converted to Christianity. We didn't change religions. We fell in love. We had this love encounter with Jesus. That's why when we, myself and Sharon, were living together back in the good old days in Ireland, we called it when you weren't married and, and you were living together, you were living in sin. Now we call it cohabitating. 
But we were living in sin. And within a week of becoming a believer, within a day, I got saved Tuesday night, the 22nd of March, 1989, 9.40 in the National Stadium in Dublin. I came home, got into bed, got up the next morning, felt guilty about being in a bed without being married. The next morning, I didn't know what it was. I don't know what conviction is. I'm only straight off the rack. The next morning, next morning, next morning, a week later, I realized God does not want me in that bed till I ask this lady to marry me. Did I marry her or ask that out of religion? No, because I love Jesus. Did drugs drop away, me, away from me because of religion? No, because of Jesus. The purpose that we are called to is to love God. And we can love him to the capacity that will be overflowing or outgrown who we are if we allow his love to impact us and out of this loving God out of this walking with God out of this we don't have to create ministries we don't have to come up with this is a plan for my life or this is a purpose you don't have to because if you're loving him he will give you moments of destiny what I call destiny moments in your life and in my life that you're walking with God, you're loving with God. Yeah, it's good to have plans. Yeah, it's good. Listen to what Proverbs says, that many are the plans of a man's heart, but God has the last say. Right. I say give him the first and the last say. The alpha and omega of the purpose of God for our life. And I believe with all my heart that God creates these moments, and we see it in scriptures, that when we are loving God with all of our hearts and all of our minds, and, and that means everything that's within us, and that means everything that is without Showing our love to God in our workplace. Showing our love for God in our families. That we're the same before him in the church. And we're the same like that at home. That we're not loving him here and showing disrespect for a loved one at home. It doesn't, it doesn't match. But when we are loving God, he creates moments. I was thinking of David, the shepherd boy. And David is one of my favorites. He's minding sheep. And he's loving God. He's writing songs. Loving God. Just loving on him. Lord, you are my shepherd. And I shall not want the Lord. And I know if I even walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Goodness and mercy has been commissioned to follow me all the days of our lives. Some of us have to slow down so love and mercy catches up on us. Let it just overtake you. The goodness that the Bible speaks of is like wearing a coat. It's like wearing God. Wearing the favor and goodness of God on our lives. And it's while he's out minding sheep. It's while he's out loving God. It's while he's out there that God, he experiences God in different ways. The lion and the bear. Do you remember? They came to take the little lambs. The Spirit of God comes upon David. They were looking for lamb chops. David get them karate chops. <laughs> he learned in the secret place with loving God that God was creating a man of God, a king in the future. But he didn't know kingship was in his future. He was just loving God. That God was preparing his man in the secret place. And then in Samuel 16, when Samuel came along, Read Samuel. I love Samuel. Samuel was powerful. He comes into the village. Are you here with peace? <laughs> or are you here to call down fire? 
And he says, peace. And he goes to Jesse's house. And some of the sons walk by. You know the story. Wow, look at him. He's great with sword. But is he loving God with all his heart and mind and soul? He's great talents and great abilities. Samuel, God says, I don't look on the outside, I look on the inside. I look at what's going on here and is a manifesting out here. He says, there's one more, it's David. And out of loving God, this destiny moment happens. That God calls him in, he's called in and the oil is poured on his head. When, when Saul was being made king, it says they got a vial, a vial of, of oil and poured her over him. A vial is something that is man-made. When David was anointed king, the horn of oil comes out. Something that belonged to a living thing that was slaughtered, that was killed to get this anointing. This oil was poured upon David, and it says at the bottom of chapter 16, it says that, that the Spirit of God was on David with power from that moment on. From that moment on, he's out loving God, and God creates this moment, this opportunity, where he can come into a place of his destiny, where he can come into a place of the plan of God for his life, his, his, his division of God for his life. He was just loving God. He was just minding the sheep. It's amazing that God always calls people when they're doing something. If you don't know what God has you to do in the big picture, get involved with something in the smaller picture. He doesn't call lazy people because if they're lazy in life, they'd be lazy in ministry. You look at all through the Bible, they were doing something. The disciples were fishing. And he calls them. He creates creative moments of our destiny when we're loving her. Expressing our love for him. There's a man in our church, he's called Jason Rafferty. And he, he, he has a job in a, a homeless um, shelter where half of the people in the shelter are um, active drug users and the other half um, suffer with mental health issues. Now that's a pretty, pretty, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a hard job. He doesn't know what's coming out of the corner. He doesn't know what a person's going to be when he walks into the room. It is a tough situation. And the Lord told him, Jason, when he got the job, the Lord said, Jason, just worship me. And when you meet Jason, he's the most sensitive guy to the things of God. And he just went around just worshiping the Lord. Doing his job, worshiping the Lord. Jason has led 40 of those people to Jesus. 40 of them. Some of them are not even allowed out of their room for their own safety. He goes into a room one day, and the room was all messed up. And he goes in, and he, and he says to his workmate, he says, get gloves on, we're cleaning this room. There, his job is not to clean the room. That's not his, his, his remit. But he decided, him and his friend, that him and his workmate, they cleaned the room. The man came back. He was an alcoholic for years and years and years, and he came back. And he says, what do you have to do to my room? And Jason says, we cleaned it up for you. And he says, can I tell you something? That's what Jesus does with our life. That is broken and messed, he comes in, and he makes a new one. They lead him to the Lord. He dies a couple of days later. A destiny moment. 
He's just loving God. He's just worshiping God. And God is creating these moments for the kingdom of God to be manifest on earth. David's just loving God, worshiping God. And God has given him downloads of songs. Songwriters, artists, poets, book writers. Loving God will give you destiny moments. To be able to leave in this world a deposit of worship and songs and books and creativity. That all the studying in the world can give you the theory. He can give you inspiration. Have you ever heard of D.L. Moody and his piano player, Sankey? D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. There's pictures of him with little orphans in his hands. He's standing on the street corner preaching. There's a great picture you'll find on the internet. There's a little black kid in his hand. And he's preaching. He's declaring the word and the future of God over this little guy. As he's... You know what he used to do? He'd walk around with a donkey around the streets. And he'd go, free rides on the donkey. And he'd go all through, and all the little street urchins would come out. All the little kids had nobody. He'd go, free ride on the donkey, as he's walking to church. Free ride on the donkeys. And he'd tie up and he says, free ride on the donkeys after church. And he'd have all the little guys in the church. A church, by the way, a, a, a room that he had to hire of the religious church. He had to hire the back rows of them because he didn't want these kids in their church. And he would just have meetings just for these kids. But Sankey or D.L. Moody would get up and preach. And as he is preaching, that Sankey would do his, his, his songs, loving God. And then D.L. Moody would get up and preach the gospel and people would come to know Jesus. While Sankey would be sitting in the corner writing. People used to think he was really writing when D.L. Moody was preaching. But what Sankey was doing was writing the next song for when he gets back up after, after D.L. Moody. That while he was loving God, while he was worshiping God, while the gospel was being preached, he was writing the song. That was, it was the first place where he ever said the word gospel song. He got the songs when he was listening to the gospel being preached. Downloading and he'd get up and he'd play that piano and he'd sing the song that God had just downloaded. And those who didn't get saved during that altar call would get saved during that worship song. Just loving God. Creative businesses, you name it, it comes from loving God and he creates destiny moments for you and I to walk in. So years ago I wrote down, many years ago I wrote down, who do I want to reach? And it's hard to have, you know, a heart for everyone. But that's what God has given me. Children, and we started kids clubs, and youth, and old folk, you name it. And I read books, and they're like, focus on this, and focus on that demographic, and focus on this group of people. And I'm like, I've tried my best, but I can't. Because God always brings in another creative destiny moment, if not for me, for someone else. So I says, I'm going to write some. This is 25 years old, by the way. So if there's some words that don't even make sense, I've, I've tried to change. So I says, Lord, I want to create a ministry that is all-encompassing. And it might be foolish, it might be naive, but it excites me. And so I wrote the A to Z of ministries I'd like to start and the people groups I'd like to start them to. So I want to start ministry to the A. Be deceived with you. So first of all, I want to start the ministry to the abused, 
atheists and alcoholics. To the B is the bluffers, the blaggers, and the butchers. To C, the confused, the cops, and the counselors. D, the drug addicts, the doctors, and the drug dealers. E, the educated, the exhausted, and the executives. F, to the freaks, the frauds, and the fruits. G, to the gays, the geeks, and the goths. H, to the hyperactive, the helpless, and the homeless. I, to the intellects, the internationals, and the idiots. The J, to the jealous, the, 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 jealous, the judges, and the jury. K, the, keller, the killers, the knuckleheads, and the Ku Klux Klan. L, the lame, the losers, and the lonely. M, the Muslims, the manic depressives, and the McDonald's workers. N, the nobodies, the nurses, and the nuns. O, the oddballs, the ordinary, and the over-the-top. P, the politicians, the prostitutes, and the princesses. Q, the quantity surveyors, the quirky, and the queens. R, the respectable, the rowdy, and the rebels. S, the socially awkward, the socialists, and the social workers. T, the teetotalers, tea drinkers, and the terrorists. You, the unhappy, the unloved, and the unemployable. V, the vegans, the vulnerable, and the university professors. <laughs> w, my dyslexia kicked in. W, witches, wizards, and warlocks. X, ex-wives, ex-husbands, and the extra, extra large. Y, the youth, the not so young, and the younger heart. Z, the zealots, the zionists, and the zany seal keepers. How in the world can you do that without loving God first? For I'm convinced that loving God with all of our hearts, He creates destiny moments. And before we know it, we're walking in God's plan. Because if I had to write the vision for my life when I started, I wouldn't be here. That we limit God so much, we cap ourselves so much when we try to write our story. When we go, well, I am going to be here. I'm going to be, when God puts something in your heart, write in your heart's content. Because he can do more than we can imagine or think. But so many of us cap ourselves and put a ceiling on ourselves. And we wonder why we're frustrated because we just keep banging off what God has not even put on us. I told you last week that I would tell you some of the things that we've gotten up to since the last time we met. We just keep loving God. That's what we're trying to do. With all of our minds and all of our strength. I could talk for days about the opportunities in our lives, but in other people's lives, in the children and in the people of our church. That's what excites me. It excites a father to know when to see the people of his church do the things of the kingdom. But a couple of years ago, we're just loving God, and a couple of years ago, a, 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 a young guy, a lady over at church, her son went over to, to a place called Azoto in Africa. It's, it's like surrounded by South Africa, and it's a country right in the middle. And he went over with a missions, pro, with a missions team from an organization, and for some reason when he came back, six months later, he was at a, um, he was at a, a party over in Galway, and he, and he lost his life. He died. And you can imagine the devastation on a mother that has lost their son. And we wanted to do something to help out our love for God. We wanted to do something to help. And we says, um, Trish, we're going to put a team together. And we're going to go over to that orphanage that your son was working with in Palani in, South, in Lesotho. And we're going to finish the work. 
If you know our church, which you probably don't, but we're in an inner city church, the one thing, we, we, we have people with great hearts, but we don't have great resources. But we says we're going to do this. This is the Father's heart. And we raised the team and we raised the money to go over and finish a whole project. We were just loving God. The team comes back. And a destiny moment occurred where they fell in love with this place called Azoto and the people. So we've been sending teams over every, the last couple of years. And Chris and Sheila, who was there, Team leaders over that team who are now going to be sent out as missionaries to Lesotho. And Chris and Sheila are going to go over and they're going to oversee a project. The government in another part of Lesotho, a place called Bute Bute. Isn't that a great name? Yeah. We knew it was God when Bute Bute was the name. <laughs> and they're going to be over this. And we're not going to build an orphanage with a big, like a big building. We're going to build houses. And that we can sleep. After talking to Patty Hoyne, we're going to sleep about five or six kids in each house. Employ a local mom and dad. And we're going to build a whole complex of houses. Now, Chris and Sheila, who is going to head it up, he's from County Cork, down the south of Ireland. And she's from Dublin, where we're from. And they came together, they got married, they're in their 50s, they got married earlier on obviously and had a family and Chris had the drink and was losing his family and his wife. And one night he came in and he had a picture of Jesus on the wall because that's what we do in Ireland. He's on the wall but not in our hearts. And God opened his eyes to the wonder of who Jesus was. He actually thought he was going to die, he said. He was on his knees, shaking, like under the power of the Holy Spirit. Sheila came out to think he was gone mad. She's on her knees, under the power of the Holy Spirit. He still thought he was going to die, because how could you have this experience with God and not die? And he gets into bed, and he wakes up the next morning. He, says, he said, for miles away, he could smell the grass being cut in, in fields miles away. He could smell sausages being cooked in the neighbor's house. He said it was like everything was alive within him. Now, Chris, his mom and dad died when he was 11. He was left roaming the streets at 11, a little orphan boy. He used to get into people's houses without them knowing, not to rob money, but to rob food. The police always knew it was him because the food would be missing. No possessions, just sausages or biscuits and Chris and Sheila after that experience moved to Spain they didn't know one Christian in Ireland would you believe him who could explain they couldn't go to anyone to explain what happened to them they went to Spain and they moved into a house and there was a, a family of believers right next door to them who discipled them in the things of God that family knew a couple from Cork. I was preaching at a conference and I was preaching about the dreams of God for our lives. And would you believe this is incredible? This is saney. I read out that list at that meeting, at that conference. And it was back in the days of tapes. And this couple that knew this other couple, the Christian couple that lived next door to Chris and Sheila, 
gave them a tape, the tape of me speaking. And Sheila now was listening to a Christian back in her home city preaching the gospel in her accent. And she said she, she lived there for 12 or 13 years, and every month she put on the tape. And she'd listen to this little Dublin man preaching the gospel. So they decide to come back to Dublin after all those years. And someone says, you need to go to this church called Liberty. And Sheila walks in and I was preaching. And the same voice that she heard on the tape is now preaching to her. They come back. They go to Lesotho. They're going to be the missionary sent out. Only the second missionary sent out from our church. Probably the second in most of Dublin, if I'm being honest. If not all of Dublin. In the last 20 years anyway. Now if you say to me, they could have written a vision statement. About, when I'm going to be an orphan. We're going to become believers. We're going to go to Spain. We're going to listen to a tape. We're going to come back to Dublin. We're going to meet this guy. We're going to hear him preach. We're going to tell him our heart for Lesotho. And I'm going to say, that's where we need to go. Because I was praying for a destination. For liberty to go in the world. Another destination. Loving God. He creates destiny moments. Whether it's someone giving you a tape, someone giving you a word, you praying for somebody, God dropping something in your heart, He gives you these moments, and before you know it, you're walking in the plans of God. But if we don't cap it, we'll be able to walk in more plans. Because He who's faithful with little will be faithful with much, and will be given much. And God's like, I'm going to give you this, son. I'm going to show you this. Will you love the beggars? Will you love the poor? Will you love the unlovable? God says to me, it's a cliche now, but I believe God said to me many years ago, that if you love people that nobody wants, I'll give you people everybody wants. If you love the orphans, if you love the widows, I'll give you people everybody wants. And look how rich I am. Look at the people that God has brought into my life, just in this church. The amount of you guys that came up and says, we love your daughter, Becky. I'm like, what did that girl do? <laughs> We're rich. Your kids will be blessed. Their kids will be blessed. The children of the righteous will be great in the land. I keep saying to Sharon, like, us artists never talk ourselves, but we put ourselves down. It's one of our handicaps. We go, no, God doesn't really want to use me. You know what I mean? Oh, you're great, but I'm brutal. That's, that's us Irish. But whatever we've been allowed to see in God, and you've been allowed to see in God, from loving him, taking destiny moments, walking in his plan, I want to tell you, your children will be greater. And their children will be greater. They will be greater. They will be the ones. We say, look what God has done in their lives. Imagine what he's going to do through their lives. If God has reached 10 through us, he'll reach 100 through them. 100 through us, 1,000 through them. A thousand true ones, a million true them. Because the kids of the righteous will be great in the land. It's a promise. And he says this, that if you keep on loving the Lord, you will build cities, you will live in cities that you didn't build. That you will reap out of loving God. And I believe this is what God has for us. Last one. Glad I read that last note. Moses. Encountering God, coming into the place. He's the one that 
quoted this from God in the first place. Here's how we're going to be prosperous. Love the Lord your God. This is how we're going to go into the promised land. Love the Lord your God. This is how we're going to leave Egypt. Love the Lord your God. Tell your children. This is how important it is. Tell your children and their children. Write around their heads. When we go home tonight, we'll write it all on their foreheads. <laughs> they wake up in the morning and mammy's drawing on them. <laughs> mammy, you said don't draw on the wall. Love God with all your heart. And he leads them out of Egypt, yeah? Because he told them, not, that's the bit not to forget. Where you've come from. If you remember your testimony, you'll keep on loving God every day. I've told my testimony, honestly, it must be tens of thousands of times. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful because it keeps me remembering where I came from. It keeps me knowing this all started loving God. Don't lose that. We see in Revelations what happens when a church loses their love for God. And he leads them out. And to get across to the other side. And the Lord reminded me of this when we were talking about uninvited or when Brad was talking about uninvited. And they don't know how they're going to get out of Egypt. But God gets them out. They don't know how they're going to get across the sea. But God opens the sea. Isn't he crazy incredible? And this is what Miriam does. She grabs a tambourine. And she starts to play and not only does she listen to this, it says, Miriam grabbed the tambourine and started to dance and play it, and all the women joined in. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but um, my friend who was, a, who was a, a revival historian told me this. Well, one is, there could have been, let's say there was two million people coming out of Egypt, they reckon between one and a half to two million. Say a quarter of them were women. It says all the women grabbed the tambourine. So let's say there's 500,000 women with tambourines. And Miriam picks her up and she goes, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. And then all the ladies and all the mothers and all the, all the, all the grandmothers, they all grab this tambourine and they start playing it. No wonder the enemies in the other lands could hear and heard about the goodness of God. Because if you get 500,000 singing, Hello, I'm playing the tambourines. It's going to be heard from miles around. No wonder that the enemies were terrified. And I don't think the men were just standing there doing this. I think all the men were. Good to see honey in a good humor. Where did he get the tambourines? That's a good thing. This is what my friend told me. He's a historian. The tambourine or timbrel, they're called. They're not, um, they're not a, a Jewish... Um, instrument. In fact, they lived in a place for 400 years where they were told they were nothings and nobodies. They were slaves. They had no voice. They had no emblems. They had no flag to fly. They had no country of their own. No language. The timbrels or the tambourine, we'd know we all these tambourines, but the, the timbrels were like, like, um, like a U-shaped instrument on a long stick with words going across with the timbrels on it and when you shook it went... And they were used for this, that if two people, two Jewish people were, were talking, that, and you were talking loud, the, the mistress of the house would, would do that to the ladies. Shh, shut up. You don't have a voice. You have nothing to say. And every household would have happened. They were an instrument of oppression. They were an instrument of you're a nobody and a nothing, you have nothing to say, you have no hope, you have no future. 
you know what it says in Exodus when they were leaving Egypt? That they were given gold and given fine linen and all this stuff, jewels. Can you imagine them all coming out? Because we have to come up with where they got these timbrels. Imagine them all coming out and the mistress of the house, the lady of the house saying, and by the way, when you're going, we want to bless you on your way out to worship your God. There's fine linen, there's gold, there's rubies, there's, what else do you want? And can you imagine them saying, see, the, on, see that instrument on the mantelpiece? I'll take that as well. And they take it out. And they get to the other side. And what was used as an instrument of oppression was now turned into an instrument of praise. And this is the God we serve. We keep on loving him. And the very thing that oppresses us and keeps us down, that he gets us into a place where we use that air testimony as an instrument of praise to God. And here's what God put in my heart for you guys. Do you want a Bible study, a ladies' Bible study? Or do you want a ladies' movement? You want a ladies' Bible study? Or you want a movement that will empower and equip women? To get up and take their instruments that have pushed them down and say, this is my instrument of praise. And I pray that God would take this place and use it like a pebble like he did in Daniel. And he'd roll and he'd knock down the statue of everything that other people worship. And it says, and a mountain grew. That only God can plant a stone and grow a mountain. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> And it says a mountain grew. And that was the kingdom of God. And he gave it to men. And Father, we just come before you. And I ask, could we stand? And I ask, Father, that there would be um, a tug. Each one of us would feel a tug in our heart. Jesus, would you come in and sweep every one of us off our feet all over again? Come, Lord, and pour your love into our hearts so that we can be freed up by love to love you freely. So that we could be freed up by love, that love delivers and love heals and love breaks down and love breaks out so that we could love you, Lord. Every area, Lord, doors that we've kept locked, would you let your love, Lord, just, just invite me into those places. You know, love lifts you up where you belong. You know, love changes everything. We just invite you in, Lord. Romans 5, 5, and hope does not disappoint us because he has poured out his love into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. That word for power, it means an incessant, unending, like standing under a waterfall. And just being drenched in his love. And his promise is the hope does not disappoint us. Because he has poured out his love into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. So we just receive, Lord, your love. And we ask that you'd sweep us off of our feet. That you would take us out, Lord. That we would know dining with you this week. We would know sitting with you, Lord. We would know you knocking at our door of our hearts and us opening up for you. To come in, Lord, and bring all your love with you, Lord. Lord, we ask that as we love you, fall in love with you, walk with you, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a mind to be able to perceive the destiny moments that you have created are creating, O oh God, for each one of us, even this week, O oh God. And I pray, Lord, before we know it, Lord, we're walking in the plans of God. 
the vision of God for our lives, oh God, that we could go, thank you, Lord, I didn't limit you. I didn't limit what you have for my life because of my own background, my own thinking, Lord, that I'm saying, Lord, that this, this, the roof is off my life. The roof is off of the Lord. I, I want to grow as high and as wide as much as you want me to, Lord. Lord, I pray that you give this church a, 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 an extended reach, oh God. Lord, an embracing, Lord, set of arms, O oh God, that is able to encompass a community, a city, even a nation, O oh God. I pray, Lord God, that there would be a rising up of a women's movement and a men's movement from this place, O oh God, that every instrument that was used to put us down, O oh God, will be used to be lifted up as an instrument of praise to the King of Kings. I speak blessing over you in the name of Jesus. This country is waiting on you. There's business waiting to happen out of you. There's medical breakthroughs waiting to come out of you. There's orphans to be reached, widows to be reached, business people to be reached, church to be reached. And I pray in the name of Jesus that it will be this church that God uses. Amen.